Hello everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. On this week's episode, we are talking to the photo agent Hannah Vickery from Tea and Water Pictures on a whole range of topics, from approaching an agent to talking about ad agencies and their changing dynamic, but also the changing role of a photo agent. Uh, so, and Greg has forbid me from saying this, so countryman, lends me your ears. Lends me your ears? I know. What, what does that even mean? Friends, Romans, countryman, lends me your ears. It's a very well-known quote that apparently I seem to be the only person who knows about it. I know the quote, but in terms of puns, it's it's pretty subpar. I got it from my friend, Mr. Scap. That's right, Len Scap. Thank you. Oh, God. I know okay. what you're thinking, shutting your face. Wee! He's on I'm a I'm so roll. good at camera puns. <laughs> on a film roll. Anyway, oh, um, no, I'm, I'm not going to get involved. Don't bring me down to your level. Okay. Um, Yeah, this week's show, we have uh, Hannah Vickery, um, who, full disclosure, uh, if it doesn't become glaringly obvious, is uh, my photo agent who represents me. Um, And full disclosure is also not my photo agent. Yes. If we're going to do full Uh, disclosures. Anything else you'd like to fully disclose? I'm wearing black. Okay, I did worry about where that was going then. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's an interesting chat. I think it's uh, it covers quite a bit of ground on, uh, and and it's going to be super useful. I think for people who have previously thought about trying to get an agent themselves mm-hmm. or approaching an agent, um, things that they should consider when doing so, uh, and things they probably shouldn't do when doing so. Um, but also we discussed quite a bit about the kind of changing nature of the advertising industry. Um, and I think, commercial, I, think, really... I think all of the stuff we did talk about can be related to, to most agents, uh, most kind of worlds at the moment. It does seem yes. that everything does seem to be shifting towards the similar direction. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, I think it was a good one. Um, she was very candid. It was nice. I, you know, the thing is, the thing is what we've always tried to do and we always will try to do with this podcast is just be very honest. You know, it's a tough world. If we can all stick together and listen to it and if I can chuck in a couple of puns across, you know, along the way, we'll all be very happy. Well, will we be happy with the puns? I'm I, not sure. I will be. <laughs> okay. We should end, end this segment before you fit any more in. So um, I can see him thinking, he's trying to desperately think of something. I'm just hoping Sorry, you can come to me in a flash. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Anna. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm just actually looking out onto the rain in Shropshire. Um, but apart from that, everything's good. Very nice. Well, it's probably Very the rain we've had down here working its way up to you. Yeah, I think so. It's been pretty grim all day, actually, but it's still very beautiful out there. So the countryside is definitely making things feel easier. Yeah, I can yes. imagine. I can imagine. Uh, Shropshire is <laughs> a lovely part of the world. So um, thank you very much for taking the time to come on today. Really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we have already covered in our wonderful intro uh, kind of a bit about who you are, but would you like to do a proper mm-hmm. intro and introduce yourself, your role, and and kind of what it is you do yeah so um well i think everyone probably knows my name hannah vickery um so i'm the founder of tea and water pictures and a creative agency called tea and water uh we set up tea and water in um late 2014 and then two years later the photography side of things um so i'm both i guess an agency founder and also a photo agent um I know specifically, obviously, we're here to kind of talk about the photo agent role. Um, I think that it's an evolving role for me. I've worked with photographers for many years. I used to work in advertising um, Mm -hmm. for a long time in big agencies. So I've kind of seen all sides of the kind of spectrum, working with photographers from a production side, from a client side, and now obviously an agent side. So it's a really kind of interesting journey, I think, to see where things are heading and also yeah i mean as an agency we're able to bring a much kind of broader point of view i think to Mm. um the photographers where were you um before tm water because you worked at some quite big agencies yeah um, and were you based in have you always been based in the uk um 
so predominantly, yes, based in the UK. So I worked at Ogilvy for many years, um, but I had a global role working on um, Siemens, uh, the engineering company. So I was part of the global core team. So I worked around the world in kind of many different markets from India to Brazil, South Africa, China, the Middle East. Um, so there was a lot of travel, but, you know, that obviously provided me a lot of insight with working globally and also working with different kind of photographers and directors in different markets, but also understanding the challenges that photographers and directors face in different markets. And it enabled me to really understand um, what challenges clients face because working with a very German client um, based in Munich and then working with teams in like Brazil and India, obviously culturally, they're incredibly different. So you have to become this kind of bridge, I guess, between the different cultures to allow people to really understand the different nuances of how people work. Because I know you guys have kind of worked around the world. And so, you know, you step into India and it's a very different experience to what you might experience working in the UK and perhaps in other markets. So being able That's to have that insight is really helpful, I think. I was going to say that's a very, yeah, it's a bit of a culture shock going from the UK to mm. India. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. You also kind of crossed the bridge somewhat because I guess before when you're working at an ad agency, as you as you touched on, you were working with photographers mm. um, from a kind of, com I guess, a more of a commissioning side of things as a client side of things. And now mm. you're somewhat well you are part of what you do now is represent photographers obviously is alongside mm. the, the agency side of thing so what's um i guess have you seen with that in mind have you seen kind of much uh have you what are your kind of takeaways from that and what have you seen in terms of things that have changed in the last um, kind of 10 well years? i think obviously as we're all aware the landscape of photography has kind of changed hugely you know, even in the last five years, and I think commercially it's changed hugely, where photographers were five years ago and specifically the day rates that photographers could perhaps command five years ago are different to where they are now. I think obviously Instagram has changed a lot. Um, obviously with agencies, there's been huge agency mergers um, and whole departments have been um, made redundant. So a lot of art buying and production teams have been made redundant, which again has shifted things because inherently art buyers and producers would always have those relationships with photographers and agents. And so together they would be driving work, funneling work through to the creative teams. And now obviously with Instagram, creative teams can very much find the artists that they want to work with, which in some respects is really good because I think it kind of completely opens up the field and makes it much wider because sometimes art buyers and produce, producers have very specific relationships with certain people. So jobs would more often than not fall to those particular photographers. And if you weren't in that kind of group, it's quite hard to kind of break through. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think it's, it is really interesting because um, I think now, because I sit both sides of the fence having a creative agency and I'm a photo agent, I have to have a really good sense of where I feel the industry is going based on the work that I'm being exposed to on both sides. And I think I feel lucky that I'm able to experience it from both sides of the fence because I commission photographers in my role um, as an agency, but then I find jobs for the photographers that I represent. So mm -hmm. I'm able to kind of understand the different budget parameters that clients are working towards. Obviously, having worked in an agency side and having worked with some of the world's largest clients, I know how they work from a financial perspective. I know the cost, the certain costs that they're looking to drive. So it definitely is very beneficial in being able to kind of drive certain conversations and I think that that is really important in the way that things are moving now because it's being very driven by costs. A lot of the, a lot of the market is. I think that there's a responsibility of everyone within photography, agents, producers in agencies, art buyers, photographers, to work together to stabilise certain costs. Um, 
I think that there's kind of huge disparity between what clients will pay from the kind of top end to the lower end. And obviously, you know, it is dependent on experience, um, the photographer skill, you know, obviously many different factors. But mm. obviously, as we've seen with kind of Instagram coming in and many kind of Instagram influencers, which has kind of broken things slightly and driven costs down because there's kind of this misconception that social media comes at a very kind of a much cheaper price tag, which is crazy mm. in many respects because the audience numbers are just as big as, you know, any other traditional form of media now. Um, so I think that, you know, a lot of the industry is being driven by price. You know, that's the kind of bottom line. And especially these big agencies, which are consolidated under like, I don't know, WPP, um, oh, I can't, Intercot, you know, all of these big publicist group, you know, who have many of the big agencies under their umbrella, they are obviously trying to kind of consolidate as many costs for their clients as possible. And so it's unless we kind of work together to try and stabilize things, we're always going to have this push-pull against certain costs and we're always going to be driven down against certain costs because procurement teams at the end of the day are the ones that step in and review all the costs and cost consultants come in and say, okay, this is not what we've paid in the past. You know, this is what we should be paying moving forward. And obviously their job is to constantly look where they can make savings and constantly drive down costs further year on year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is like a huge problem, I think, that everyone probably is facing. And because we work in the States um, a lot and and in the UK and in other parts of Europe, I think we really see the differences where people really understand the true value of what um, of what it takes to create the work and also what people will actually pay for it. So it's interesting to see those differences from, you know, across the pond to then other markets and also by brands, actually. So that is kind of one thing that people should kind of bear in mind. So ne not necessarily working for the biggest agencies or the biggest brands is it may get you this really exciting campaign, but it may not necessarily reap you the rewards or the credibility or the creativity that you want. Sure. So there is a kind of a balancing act, I think. And that is where it's really important for an agent to be able to support a photographer in deciphering that and mm -hmm. understanding whether this is going to be really beneficial for their work or not. Yeah. I mean, a lot of uh, people who are perhaps starting out in photography, they kind of feel like getting an agent is like an end goal. And that once they mm -hmm. have an agent, it will mm -hmm. kind of solve all their problems. And mm. I guess the reality of it is that an a you know having an agent is actually just another re client relationship in a way. And yeah. you, it's nice in terms of it gives you a support network, but at the same time, there's you don't just stop working. In fact, you know you're going to be pushed harder by your agent normally as well. Mm. Um, so. I think what what advice do you have for um, photographers out there who are looking to get represented? From obviously you're in a position where you can bring on new photographers, and I know it's something you've been looking at recently. Mm -hmm. What have you kind of found whilst trying to do that? Yeah, um, well, it's been an interesting experience actually, especially during this whole like. Um, COVID-19 period because we at the start of this kind of lockdown period essentially when you know we were all kind of faced with wondering you know what was going to happen to the industry you know I know many people have been feeling kind of you know quite anxious and despondent about where their careers might be heading and you know we wanted to be able to support photographers um, with looking at their work um seeing where they could you know where there may be specific gaps how they can build their work perhaps inspire them to create specific projects which would push their work further so we put out a call to do kind of portfolio reviews and we've done over a hundred i think since um the beginning of april and it's been really interesting because we really really wanted to find photographers from all backgrounds um 
you know, we are really aware that our roster is um, very kind of white male um, heavy. And that's something, a balance that we, you know, obviously I'm a woman. <laughs> I would love to see more women on our roster. And I think we were really disappointed with how few women came forward and how few photographers from, you know, other backgrounds came forward. And actually a lot of white men, I know you guys are white men. This isn't like, obviously. Like, yeah, full, full, disclosure, full disclosure, we are two yeah. white men. <laughs> we are the, the two elephants in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been interesting. And I think that, you know, it's, I, I don't know, it just feels like male photographers just seem to have more kind of confidence in their work in many respects and also perhaps a kind of more of a what have I got to lose attitude I'm just going to kind of see what happens like you know and I, I we feel like the women that we did speak to were much more kind of apprehensive were much mm. more um, apologetic about things and mm. felt much more hesitant to kind of share their work with us. And, you know, m most of their work was like really quite brilliant. And yeah. so I think it's made us realize like, how do we communicate in such a way that makes people feel like they see themselves in us? And maybe I need to come be more present. I think, you know, I work with VTOLs who, has a has a, obviously a gray beard and i experience in myself also when we work together often discrimination in the fact that many people will direct conversations towards him and yeah. not towards me mm -hmm. because he seems like you know he obviously not seems he is the senior you know he's a very senior creative person and so i think there is still this kind of like oh well he's he's got a He's got a grey beard. <laughs> He's worked in creativity for a really long time. He's like a grown-up. So actually, he must be the one that's in charge. So, you know, I think that it's um, I think it's something that the whole industry needs to address, really. And um, it's, it's almost on a societal level as well. Like it's it's there are other industries where there's similar issues where women who are incredibly talented and often, you know, in in situations where they're definitely the best option but don't have the confidence to put mm. themselves forward and I think that comes down to society uh, and the culture that we live in where perhaps they're not pushed and encouraged and nurtured in the way that they should be and that more kind of bolshy male counterparts will end up kind of pushing them aside to get ahead yeah um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we work with this really brilliant director in India, um, Surya Balakrishnan, and she, I mean, Greg, you've met her. Mm, yeah, I mean, she's, she's just the most wonderful person and she's tiny and like very kind of unassuming. But then when you see her on set with people, I mean, you know, I'm sure as you both know, having shot in India, you're not short of pairs of hands to help you <laughs> when you need yeah. to do certain things. And there she is, you know, she makes incredible TV commercials for like, you know, really well-known brands. And she like commands huge sets of like, you know, hundreds of people. And she's, she really is kind of someone to feel very inspired by, I think. And especially in a, in a country like India, where it's much harder for women to kind of really, push themselves out there and into roles that are perhaps seen as more kind of male dominated roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's uh there was a um a is it Nora Ephron, the director, the film director who who mm -hmm. um did uh, You've Got Mail amongst others. She uh I think was often said that, you know, there was this misconception in the movie industry that um film sets had to be these kind of like uh kind of almost like testosterone filled environments where everything was kind of like on the line and she would much prefer to run her sets where it was actually like people got you know the proper lunch break and they could mm. bring like a baby to work if it needed to be brought to work and it was being breastfed and stuff like that all these kind of misconceptions that she was constantly fighting against throughout her career and yet when you mm. look at her kind of um movie back catalog she was she, she absolutely knew what she was doing and 100% knew what she was talking about and she was perfectly capable of making uh doing it in the way that she wanted to do it and yet there mm -hmm. was this misconception that it needed to be done in this other way that was almost mm -hmm. like um 
it almost kind of prevented women from becoming directors because it was like, well, you can't handle the type of pace that is required to make a film this big type thing. So I think yeah. there's definitely that mentality in other parts of the industry as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it feels like you see that in like, you know, teams, like photographers, teams, like, you know, lighting technicians, did you text? You know, mm. I was constantly seeing things in the kind of groups that I'm a part of. I'm a part of a women in advertising group. And people are always asking for recommendations um, of women in these roles. And so, you know, again, as a photo agent, it's something that we're always kind of looking for. We're always looking for, you know, people to kind of bring into the team and also to kind of create more equality and diversity with everyone, you know, that we work with. Um Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we um, we had a brilliant conversation on, on a similar topic uh, with a recent guest, actually, um, uh, Jackie Johannan from Equal Lens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we covered a lot of these topics, actually. If, if people are listening and they haven't heard that, then um, they should check that out. Um, to, to kind of bring it back towards um, the, 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 the role of the photo agent, mm-hmm. um, where do we, I mean, what... Uh, if photographers are looking again to get agents, what should they be aware of in terms of what areas can an agent help a photographer? Um, you know, I guess we've discussed uh, things to do with licensing and the changing nature of licensing. And I guess a lot of photographers, when they're starting out or even when they're kind of been doing it for a while, there's areas of the business that they just neglect to really um, educate themselves about um Mm. but are there areas that you see as an agent where you think that most photographers could do room for improvement (laughs) well (laughs) i think that um obviously first and foremost the photographer should just you know very much be about their photography and you know obviously the role of the agent is there to allow them to be very much about their photography and continually kind of evolve their craft. But, you know, at the same, in the same vein, it is very much a two-way street. You know, everyone has to be pushing in the same direction and everyone has to be pushing, you know, towards the same goals, whether that's targeting specific people or brands that you're interested in working towards. I think some of the most successful commercial photographers push as hard, if not sometimes harder than, the agents in terms of how in terms of the relationships and things like that but obviously Mm -hmm. it's the agent's role to give the photographer exposure to the specific people that they need to be able to connect to to find inroads in to different areas where they are able so they are able to share their work and um you know hopefully work you know together work towards finding opportunities for specific projects I think that all too often there's kind of a misconception that when you get an agent, you know, that's it. The world, the commercial world kind of will unfold <laughs> in front of your eyes and you can just kind of sit back and wait for all these jobs to come in. Yeah, but I think probably, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> just have a cup of tea. Um, but I think probably as you guys both know, you know, that's not, that's not the case. Like it has, there has to be kind of pushing from you know, both sides and, you know, it is very much a partnership and communication is obviously a hundred percent key, mm. you know, and it's a relationship at the end of the day, but the agent, you know, is there to have those difficult conversations with people, um, is there to be a, a buffer to the photographer to allow them to be able to really focus on what they do best. Yeah. So they don't have to get involved in the nitty gritty of discussing budgets and, you know, or even people on set or whatever it might be. I think, you know, that really, that has to be the agent's role. I mean, you know, the photographer needs to be able to have the space to be able to create. Um, So that is obviously one, you know, it's just, it's one kind of benefit definitely of getting an agent. And I think that agents obviously already come with existing relationships within agencies and existing relationship within clients and also, agent can see from an outside perspective where the photographer's work is heading and also Mm. their knowledge of the industry will be able to help the photographer shape their work in a specific direction. Um, But again, you know, any photographer looking for an agent should also um, 
make sure that they're always developing their work from within it has to come from something that's um that's very much from them and not be kind of led by a specific client or brand because often then you know you find you're competing in a very competitive space i think it has to feel very true to yourself Mm -hmm. um and obviously an agent can help you kind of navigate this and um yeah like create a certain direction of your work that really hopefully is going to open up more um opportunities and avenues yeah i I think having an agent is 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 such an interesting thing because it's not for everyone you know there there are a lot of people who think they want one but then they suddenly you know if you then kind of sending in work that you're unbelievably passionate about but it's not necessarily uh saleable or it doesn't have necessarily kind of the right commercial Mm -hmm. edge you might then not be able to pitch them into the right people so then it might become a bit of a downward spiral and Mm -hmm. I, i think a lot of photographers do have that kind of archaic view that you get an agent and they just do everything for you Mm. obviously you know going on to what you were saying earlier about the 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 fact that everything's changed in the in the past five years for photographers obviously it's changed for agents as well and yeah i think for you guys it feels from from my point of view that we need to still do as much work as we were doing before we were represented Mm. Mm-hmm. which you know historically might not necessarily be the case but things mm. also things also are so different you know you were talking about the existing relationships and um with with people in agencies for example the agents relationships and obviously we all have the same issue whether you're an agent or whether you're you know a freelancer like me without an agent you know mm. when we send out mail shots we get the bounce backs we get the people who've mm. been either been made redundant or moved agency and people move agency a lot mm-hmm. and so those those relationships are getting harder and harder to form mm. so mm-hmm. i would never want to rely on someone i think a lot of photographers do they have that kind of that mindset that they would get the agent and then that's all the problems fixed Mm. It's like it's like when a married couple in distress have a baby because they think it'll fix all the problems, right? <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah. It, can, it can often create way more problems than it solves. Um, yeah. And then you've just ended up, the people have just been upset. So yeah. um, I do think, you know, at what, at what stage would you say photographers should actually start looking for a rep? Because I, I think a lot of people kind of come into this world and they go, well, obviously the most logical thing for me to do is get an agent because they'll do everything for me. Obviously that's not the case. Mm. Do you think there's a point, you know, is it going to be a point where, you know, you're landing so many jobs you can't keep up with the quoting or you feel that you'd need the buffer uh, so Mm. you can carry on being Mr. Nice Guy or, you know, at what point do you feel a photographer should genuinely be represented? I don't, I mean, it's just, it just completely depends on the photographer, to be honest, because, you know, we've worked with photographers who are incredibly established, but haven't had a huge amount of commercial experience. But Mm -hmm. as a result of us all working together, it's kind of opened up their commercial opportunities enormously. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has kind of been a decision that we've made together to like, to find these commercial opportunities. I think that um, it's really important for a photographer to really understand who they are and what their work is about before they, you know, start even thinking about getting an agent. And, you know, mm-hmm. as you guys know, you know, you've been doing this, you know, for for a little while. <laughs> so Yeah, a you, little, a little. Yeah, and you know, you know, you – you have experienced a lot and you've seen a lot and you've traveled all over the world and you know what it takes to really deliver some jobs and Mm -hmm. you've pushed hard for certain things that you have achieved. And, you know, I think that it's, I think any photographer needs to kind of experience those bumps in the road and experience that, what it, the hard the hardships that come with being a photographer and the hardships with come you know and experience obviously the you know the many highs that can also come mm-hmm. with this so you know if you kind of come straight out of you know university or whatever having done a master's in photography or whatever it might be 
And then you're like, okay, next stop. <laughs> I must whip my portfolio around to agents. <laughs> then I think they kind of might need to, you know, think again because mm. there is, there's kind of a trial and error phase. You know, everyone needs to go through that phase of really kind of learning and understanding who they are, what their work is about mm. before they kind of think, okay, now do I think I'm ready to kind of work with an agent? And then also when even looking for an agent, it's really important to talk to lots of different agents, Yeah, you know, like really understand how they, um, how they work, you know, make sure that they understand you and your work and that you have this kind of good relationship and rapport and that you are, they understand where you want to go. So you're kind of working in the same direction because otherwise, yeah. you know, all too often we speak to photographers who have gone to see agents and then agents have tried to shape their work in a way that they don't feel comfortable with or said, oh, please, you know, don't share that portion of work because that's not going to be relevant. No one's going to enjoy seeing it, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, that just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel true or honest to us because, you know, you have to come with everything that you are and then you will shape it together. I mean, you can't just, you know, tell people that a huge portion of their work that they've, you know, committed to for however many years is just not relevant or, you know, it, people in the industry won't want to see it because I don't think that's the case because you're working with creative teams who are constantly looking for inspiration mm -hmm. and they're constantly looking for things that are different. And, you know, who's to say that your project that you've invested the last three years in isn't that project. So, you know, it's, you know, there's no kind of, there's no obviously kind of checklist or, cut and dry answer i think that it has to, you have to feel your way into this it has to be a process of elimination and a process of discussion and kind of really understanding and as creative people you know we all have this ability to be able to feel our way through situations and instinctively mm. understand what we think might be the best route and i think that's what you have to you have to engage that in yourself to yeah. you know really no, agreed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one because, I mean, out of curiosity, on your roster, how mm -hmm. what do you know roughly what the average age of your photographers are? Because we're talking oh, about well, yeah, <laughs> sorry, bit of a curveball. Let's do some math. Yeah. But, but you know, um, from yeah. the guys I've met and the the agented photographers I know and stuff like that, they do tend to be kind of heading towards mid forties, kind of you know, mm. 40, 40 to fifty um mm -hmm. because and it's not because that particular age is like a golden age it's because by that point these guys have probably been doing it for 15 20 25 years right mm -hmm. and there comes a certain level of experience like you were talking about earlier but gravitas mm -hmm. and confidence that comes with slogging your ass across the world for 25 years mm -hmm. you do end up with a no nonsense attitude that gets stuff done it's not just the work. It's the work ethic. It is the experience. You know, mm. you need to know that if you're putting someone forward for a job and it could be a tricky mm -hmm. one, they mm. will have probably had a similar situation at some point in the past. So whatever comes at them, they'll be able to deal mm. with it. Mm -hmm. When I speak to young photographers who are like, what's it like being in it with an agent? You go, it's, it's good, right? But like you need, you, you're so far away from, needing an agent because mm -hmm. you just don't have the experience and mm -hmm. i think i think from my point of view is it is is it going to be like would you rather have a super young creative with no experience or mm -hmm. would you have someone who can deliver solid dependable results because at the end of the day business is business right mm -hmm. you know this this is as as much as we like to talk about being creative and and things like that it it is we are all running businesses that is you have to be able to work to a brief at the end of the day 100 yeah <laughs> and, and so you need to be able to deliver and so i do worry mm -hmm. you know going back to your point about instagram influencers and the rise of those guys you know there are some of those guys who will have only produced content for themselves and for the internet audience they won't mm -hmm. they might they might not have created content for clients 
And so they mm-hmm. will never have dealt with the demands that come with clients and and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you, not entirely sure where my point is going, but it's more just you think, getting it off my chest. You think like with um, there are certain pop up agents that offer kind of a service of of mm. uh, almost acting like a freelance producer, like a freelance photo agent. I mean, what's mm-hmm. What do you make of of that? I mean, do you think that's worthwhile? Do you think that's probably helpful for some photographers? Yeah. Or I think for some photographers, you know, as you say, whether they, you know, they don't feel that they're ready for an agent or they don't want to commit or they're seeing, you know, quite a lot of success independently, but there may be some, you know, more difficult jobs that they would like to get support on or help with kind of negotiations or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, then, yeah, I think that, you know, they are a really fantastic um, option. Um, I think, you know, it's it's tough for younger photographers coming into the industry just to kind of swing back quickly to Tom's point because obviously you want them to have the opportunities so that they too can grow and they too can get the experience of, you know, where you guys are and where other photographers are. So I think also and as an agent we're also you know very aware that there are young much younger photographers out there who are hugely talented but as you say you know you you it wouldn't be fair to them and it wouldn't be fair to the agency to kind of throw them into the lion's den and when they haven't kind of been on a big commercial shoot and they're not able to manage certain situations or as you say interpret a specific brief but how do we like work with them to show them a specific path and, sh- and create talent, certain, really. yeah, create certain opportunities for them. And I think that that's where social media can play a role and where agents, where you may not want to sign a photographer because you don't feel that their work is developed enough or you don't feel that they have enough experience under their belt, but you can work with them on ad hoc projects where they may have been approached by clients to help guide them through this process so that they're not going into this blind and so that you're really helping them understand what's needed from them on a commercial mm-hmm. shoot and I think that that is really important as well for, for for agents to do so that you know they are nurturing the younger talent that's kind of coming up because you know, this is back to the whole role of art buyers and producers, which unfortunately the role of art buyers is, you know, in lots of agencies is being disbanded. And that's why the role of art buyers and photo agents was so close and so integral. But now, you know, creative teams find their own talent through Instagram. And so they will approach whoever. And obviously you can't tell from someone's Instagram necessarily, like, you know, how old they are or what their level of experience is and maybe it doesn't necessarily reflect it through their website so you know it's it's down to the agent and also the producer to kind of really you know kind of understand where someone's at and and yeah help them through this process because if a creative team decide that they really want to work with this specific photographer and the client's like yep great i love their work you know you you obviously can't turn around and say oh sorry no (laughs) I'd much rather you work with this more experienced person so you know you have to everyone has to kind of work together to kind of navigate things and I think it's really important to do that too to really help the younger talent that's kind of coming through Mm. Uh, I mean the only real way is is having a bit more transparency within the industry I feel Mm -hmm. to some degree um with social media that's obviously been a massive game changer because to go back to a a point that tom made earlier you know with with you you make these connections with your clients and then they move on Mm. at least now you have a way of it's it's like an informal mail out really you know you can be pushing stuff work out and people pick it up without feeling like it's being rammed into their inbox Mm -hmm. which can sometimes feel a little bit um like you know like you're taking up a lot of their time or you're you're yeah. filling up their I feel like if I, when I get emails and I've got a lot of work on and I've got a lot of stuff coming in it can sometimes be a stressor you know because it's so if you're sending a mail out to somebody who's already dealing with hundreds of emails a day you can mm-hmm. kind of understand why they might not respond to it but in a way with mm-hmm. something like Instagram or Twitter or 
other mediums like that, you know, they they will be seeing it in a more passive way, which might mean that their reception to it is slightly different because it feels like it's something they've discovered rather than mm-hmm. had thrust in their face, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like these, these different mediums of communication are definitely um, uh, opportunities. But it's mm-hmm. as, as an agent, how do you find... Um, do you find that you're discovering talent through social media? Do you think that that's opening connections and doors for you as well? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, we've found some really fantastic people and um, a lot recently when we've been doing these reviews, I think we found some really um, some really brilliant people through um, social media. So, I mean, you know, there is a definite kind of plus side to it. You know, it's a complete kind of catch-22 situation i think because obviously as we all know it can be a torture chamber (laughs) for everyone (laughs) but at the same time you know it does give you exposure to you know a much kind of wider audience without kind of you know having to like carry a book around and literally physically you know present something to people Mm. um i think that i think you you can very quickly tell through someone's instagram um you know as a photo agent like how people you know their level of kind of experience that they have and what they've done and you know how they shoot and what they enjoy shooting so it's quite yeah. quick you know it's quite a good way of kind of getting a good understanding and a good measure of kind of how people work I think mm-hmm. so you know you don't have to have that awkward conversation of contacting people meeting them and then you know deciding that actually it's not not going to work yeah yeah um <laughs> I like i guess a lot of agencies as well probably see things that way maybe you know they they can actually you know you people these days put so much information out there about themselves mm. and in some ways that's a, a good thing and in some ways that's a bad thing yeah like it, um the mystery yeah. sort of gone hasn't it yeah i wonder also whether or not now the kind of the photographer the director the we're i mean we all knew it kind of a few years ago when you'd see somebody's byline and they'd be, you know, writer, director, photographer, entrepreneur, uh, <laughs> <like> <laughs> business owner, things. coffee, yeah. coffee yeah. drinker, <laughs> um, next president, you know, that, yeah. and it's, and that idea of celebrity of, of kind of inventing who you want to be, if fake it till you make it is very prevalent on, on mm. social media. Um, but at the same time it is allowed, um, creators to become kind of brands in themselves and Mm. some of them have turned that into massive successes you know they've they've managed to bring in this whole new kind of uh, revenue stream from being you know the influencer in inverted commas but it's interesting how i I wonder how as you to, to go back to a much earlier point where you were talking about how social media has changed things um do you see that stabilizing or are we in a place where technology is changing so much and so quickly that the idea, for example, of traditional idea of usage, you know, if you go back 10 years, it would have been like, right, you're paying for out of home, you're playing for billboard, you're paying for this, you're paying for that. Yeah. Whereas now it's like you're paying for an Insta story and mm. it's going to be online, you know, it's going to be shown for X amount of seconds or whatever. Like there's, there's so many outlets now that it's, mm people almost just want to simplify it by packaging it all as social media and yet as you said that can that can be massive for some brands that's like millions and millions of eyes on whereas Mm. traditionally a billboard uh would not have that many eyes on it would be very localized potentially yeah and yeah yet it doesn't feel like the industry's kind of balanced that out yet no not at all i think that i don't know it it feels like the industry is a, maybe not sure how to like manage the costs associated with it. Because in the past, a media budget that a client was spending on TV, out of home, um, you know, all the kind of traditional above the line forms of media, then you would understand that there would be a certain percentage of that media budget would be invested into production, which would obviously mm-hmm. cover photographer, director, whatever. And so if a client was spending, you know, 20 million on their media, you know that they were probably investing, you know, one and a half million, potentially or two million towards their 
you know, their actual create developing their creative assets. And now it feels like that whole situation has changed because in in a way it's down to the, um, you know, the likes of, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Google and all these digital channels who, where you're able to buy their, the space essentially on their platforms for relatively, you know, little cost. Mm -hmm. So obviously clients don't now see that the investment needs to be made back the other way to create the content that then is put out through those platforms. But obviously if a brand, any big brand, I mean, I won't name any, but creates a sponsored post on Instagram, for example, and if it's a, you know, a huge apparel brand, for example, I mean, they're going to, I mean, millions and millions of eyes are going to see this, this Instagram post and, Obviously, it can be um, geotagged by location. So, you know, but still, you know, if it's for the US market, for example, you know, goodness knows how many people would see this. And so, but that money isn't necessarily reinvested into the production of what's actually created. So there's mm-hmm. huge disparity. So I don't, I don't really know where this is going to go, to be honest, because, I mean, we've had situations where, clients have said oh i just need to license this one image oh it's only for social <laughs> so and yeah. we only want to pay you know a few hundred pounds but i mean you know and it just seems madness because you know a it's a huge brand b only for social is millions of eyes that will see this you know image and mm-hmm. also like it's not like the the clients, the brands don't have the budgets to kind of invest in it properly, which is mm. why coming back to my point in the beginning, it's really important for everyone in the industry to kind of work together to or just, you know, just to push back a little bit. And I guess just- the sheer the sheer volume of content compared to 20 years ago is, is just mm. unimaginable. Yeah. Like in terms of campaigns being produced, there are, there are kind of things having to go out daily and that's probably also had an effect because there's just you know the the, the companies have had to expand so that there's smaller mm-hmm. teams dealing with just this type of campaign that's going to be going on this particular form of social mm-hmm. um and that in itself means that you know there's there's not the budgets that need to be there necessarily all the time the type of mm-hmm. for the amount of eyes on as you said that these things are getting but i also think yeah. that's a that's that is an area that a lot of photographers when you're first starting out, possibly don't always understand and some are more savvy than others, but the value of your work and the value of what you're producing and how many people will see that, it's very difficult in the digital age, especially, I think, because everything is such just on a screen, so it all looks the same. So you Mm. can have a campaign that's been shot on an iPhone or a campaign that's been shot on a a £30,000 digital camera and yet they're both going to be seen on the same screen at the same resolution. And so it becomes this kind of people of like, well, I don't really, you know, it's, it's, it's this, I've, I've seen kind of uh, big brands doing their content, you know, shooting stuff for Insta stories on cameras worth hundreds of thousands. And then the client might turn around and say, it's, it, it doesn't look, it looks too good. So it's yeah. this odd, odd situation where you, um, it's almost at times with social, it feels like the quality at times is mm. almost like less, not, not um, valued as much as well. Yeah. In terms of the craft that might go into it. It's hard to say yeah. though. I think it's, we're in a very transitional period with it. And mm. I think there's a lot of people still trying to figure it out and still trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Mm. Um and it's interesting, yeah. actually, with with everything that's been going on through the pandemic, because you must have seen this in 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 terms of you're more switched on to the kind of advertising world and what kind of campaigns are going out there. But there there was a period where it started to be you know, everything is being shot at home, everything's being shot over Zoom or whatever. And it's at first it's really novel, but then after a while, people start becoming a bit sick of seeing the same kind of <laughs> capture, captured footage, whatever. So yeah. I guess the industry is is probably accelerating change so much faster mm. than it was 20, 30 years ago, where mm. the same mm. kind of style would be quite established and would stick around for a long time. Mm. Now it's kind of this, um, 
this system where the loop is constantly having to evolve and change in a much much faster cycle mm. yeah but i think Go on, sorry i think that you know obviously none of us could have seen this coming and you know it's obviously thrown many things kind of off balance and you know we're kind of uncertain where things may end up but i think also it's actually a it feels very unknown, but I think also it's an incredibly exciting time because, as you say, that there is going to be this con- this evolution of how things are done and where things are heading. And I think that, you know, I'm excited to see what comes out of this. And I even the briefs that we've seen just in the last couple of weeks, like people are really having to, like, think broad and wide, like how they create certain content right now, especially and you know obviously that's not specifically through zoom like i you know i totally know what you mean about the kind of the zoom commercial but um yeah i think that it's a really interesting time and i think that the the role that photography has especially been playing through the whole kind of black lives matter movement has just been incredible and just so powerful and only that story could be told really through photography it feels mm-hmm. so for me i really feel like there's like a resurgence of photography and the role photography can play in really telling really compelling stories. And I feel very hopeful and I hope very much that this like energy that has coming out of photography is really going to kind of continue kind of pushing forward because it feels really strong right now and very powerful. I mean, maybe that's because, you know, I'm kind of, maybe because of the people I'm following or kind of more exposed to, but I don't know, you know, if you guys kind of feel the same. I do for sure. I, I think it's interesting, right. From my point of view, you know, when you kind of pick up the the history, the, the Magnum's kind of collections, photo books, and you kind of yeah. look, at, look back through them and you go, wow, that that's a great shot, you know, and then, but there, there's only kind of one or two shots of that event now mm-hmm. for example the protests that have been happening in the states and in the uk we're seeing so many incredible images that mm-hmm. i think 50 years down the line my photography book is going to be absolutely incredible by then but like there's going to be just this amazing body of work and there's there's so many bame amazing photographers who are doing the job documenting i know uh, mm-hmm. rob haggart a photo editor uh, was posting mm-hmm. some links up uh, we'll link to that in the show note but he was uh, posting some posts up on his instagram with people to follow um but it does feel like photography is starting to i don't know from me personally it, it feels like it's starting to get get some of its worth back it felt very much like with the kind of the uh with social media that it started to become very throwaway because people were so desperate to consume but it does feel a little bit now like people are more understanding the value of it so Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that is i'm hoping that is the case yeah i think yeah i mean it definitely feels that way to us and i you know it feels like there's a kind of huge energy um kind of that's bubbling to the surface now and i know Mm -hmm. that you know we're you know, really excited to speak to lots of different people. There's an organization in the States called the Authority um, Collective. I don't know if Rob Haggart posts about it, but they are kind of a huge driving force in creating exposure for um, black and non-binary photographers, especially more focused in America. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be really interested to discover like more organizations like that in the UK um, for mm. sure. Absolutely. Um, quickly, because I think we're going to start wrapping it up. Um, okay. I, I, we haven't prepared you for this, so this could be, um, <laughs> this could be a bit of a shock. If if you were going to suggest, because you will have been approached hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of times by different photographers, because we all love approaching mm-hmm. people. What mm-hmm. what would you say was kind of like the biggest mistake? you've seen someone make or is there or is there something you would desperately tell people to avoid doing obviously copying and pasting the email to the wrong name that's probably quite a good one but a lot of the times when (laughs) when people are trying to get in touch with agents they are very much agent company name and then an info at address even just on the basic level who do you address that email to 
you find yeah, out I who think, they are on yeah. LinkedIn or I think it's really important to obviously first go on to the agent's website and if and try and discover the people who like run the agency or who at least kind of are the key agents within the agency and obviously address the email to them personally. I think a huge mistake if you're just copying and pasting to lots of agents because then it probably you haven't done your homework in really mm -hmm. looking at the different agencies out there and understanding where your work might fit. So, you know, it, there are obviously like quite a few agencies out there, but obviously only a handful may be suitable for you. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's you have to look at the work of the photographers that they represent if there's any photographers within the roster that, you know, whose work you admire or perhaps you already kind of, you know, are aware of their work, then mm -hmm. that's, you should definitely reference them within the email. So it looks like you've paid attention to, you know, the roster and to the agency because sure. sending a kind of blanket email saying, please take a look at my, <laughs> please take a look at my work. I shoot sports and fitness is not, <laughs> you know, it's not really kind of enough. I think I think also that's probably a very good tip. Look at the roster, see if you would fit in. If they've got 30 people who already shoot very beautiful headshots and you only shoot beautiful headshots, the chances of them needing another person who shoots that are probably mm. zero to negative, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got to, you've also you've got to make sure that you kind of fit in stylistically in a way mm. because you don't want to you know, if you only shoot infrared photography <laughs> for example Niche. quite an, yeah. quite an extreme <laughs> style of photography that um, but you're not you're probably not going to sit well on a mm. food photographer's roster right yeah i think also it's important to you know talk to the people you know in the industry you know see if there's particular agents that people are talking about or who think your work would be a good fit for i think mm -hmm. some agents um build their roster by kind of sector so you know they may say oh we need you know automotive food and drink industry portraiture you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily build our roster by that but i think it's you know understand how the agent builds their roster do they kind of not categorize people but you know look at people's work based on the kind of the sector that they may focus on more mm -hmm. um and then, yeah, really understand how your work might fit within it. And, you know, if you don't hear back from the agent, then, you know, try again. <laughs> like, And if you feel very passionate about this agency and you want to be able to speak to them, you know, just email them again. I mean, you know, as we all know, we get hundreds of emails some days. You're really busy. And sometimes, you know, you can mean to reply to that person, but it just completely falls off your radar. And, mm -hmm. you know, often it's, not through any kind of bad intention. Sure. So don't feel kind of despondent by it. Just yeah. Just keep going. I mean, if you are going to follow up with people, probably leave it a good couple of days or weeks rather than minutes. I have like <laughs> I've I've had assistants yeah. getting oh, yeah, who, <laughs> who've sent me three emails in a day and I'm like, uh dunno. Probably probably delete that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you can leave it a couple of days and then get in touch with them again. You know, sure. I mean, like, you've got try to not to make yeah make make yourself okay. look desperate. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. saying I like, try not to make the emails too long. Also, mm -hmm. because you know, n none of us kind of want to get into reading an essay about your kind of life history, <laughs> how you arrived at photography. I made yeah, I made that mistake once. I sent in a letter to someone. Uh, who I won't say uh, their name, and they emailed me going, lovely work and lovely pack, well done. Uh, but your letter was not brief. You said in the first paragraph, <laughs> uh, I, this is going to be a brief letter, and it was two sheets of A4. What were you thinking? So I thought, oh, oh yeah, wow. no, that's, that's a very valid point, to be fair, but thanks very much for reading it. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been called Dear Agent before, so that was nice. Dear Agent. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad, wow. I'm glad you got my email. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I send emails to Hannah with titled "Dear Leader." But, uh, Dear Leader. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Agent. Wow. God, it's yeah. honestly, it used to be. So, say for example, 20 years ago, you'd have to ring the office number and then be like, "Sorry, mm -hmm. I'd like to think about you know approaching you guys. Who would be the best person 
to mm-hmm. send my work into, right? And then the, the receptionist may or may not give you a name. Now, mm-hmm. quick Google search. Th- mm. Three seconds. That's yeah. literally all it takes. And people still can't get off their ass and still send you an email saying, dear agent, if you are that photographer and you yeah. are listening, do do better. That, 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 that's <laughs> I do poor. think that, it, I do think it's a shame. Yeah, I, I do makes, think it's it a shame that we don't have landlines. I do, I, yeah. a, I do wish that sorry. there were. I do wish there were landlines still, though, because email is just like a blessing and a curse. Mm. You know, actually being able to speak to a human being on the other end of the phone is just like such a breath of fresh air. Sometimes. And you can arrive maybe at so many things much quicker. Maybe that's a little gem, you know, that we can wrap up on as a, a final thought for any photographers approaching an agent. You know, if, you, if you're going to be doing it in the future, do it by semaphore. <laughs> or the pigeon. <laughs> or the pigeon. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is about sticking out. Um, yeah, well, I think we, 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 uh, we are going to wrap up there probably. We've, that's... Um, been a really interesting discussion to kind of have with you Hannah and obviously before we go one thing we always like to try and do um is uh, our desert island yes you knew and you've been (laughs) have you have you managed to come up with anything are you yeah I prepared myself (laughs) because I knew but obviously I'm gonna be in amongst photographers who are like talking about all sorts of you know, books and cameras that they've probably spent many an hour with. So well, you have fine. to You're going to be on my... your own on the desert island. So, <laughs> you know, no one's yeah, no going to judge ju- you no on judging. the island. Yeah, exactly. No judging eyes whatsoever. Yeah. So my um, photo book is probably very reflective of the time of um, where I am in my life right now because my son just turned one. And oh, I... Oh, thank you. I would like to take on my desert island a photo book by a Japanese photographer called Kotori Kawashima. And the book is called Mirai Chan. And it's a documentary he shot of his daughter over the course of a year. And Mm. it's the most beautiful photo book. And it shows that the power of photography and how you can like really show the world from the point of view of a two-year-old and it's oh, wow. just yeah really incredible that's amazing i'm we, we um we're actually going to start putting up um the photo books that people recommend on our insta stories so if people want to see what these books look like we'll start putting up some pictures on there yeah. um i've not heard of that one myself so i definitely yeah have to check it's that really out. gorgeous actually and it's a very kind of happy positive like reflection of life so i felt like it would be you know a nice thing to look at on a desert island excellent and yeah how about your desert island oh camera yes then? my camera <laughs> so <laughs> i would probably take um my film camera because um i think you're gonna have to be more specific than that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so i actually have a leica m6 <laughs> which i nice. um which I, oh, I don't think I've ever you, shared. I you were going to say like a, a boots uh, kind of point and shoot, you know, <laughs> no. in, in, disposable one. It's and now you've come out with exposures. It's called a Leica M6. You might have I know. heard it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Greg, to disappoint you. But I didn't come up with a boots option. Um, I don't think I've ever told you that, actually, when everyone's been like, talking about their Leica experiences every time we go on. We do, we um, do quite often drink. have Leica nerd-offs on our uh, agency drinks, don't we? <laughs> Vito's quite a, quite a Leica fan. Yeah, and, and then obviously I've, I've Sarah too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she almost shoots exclusively on them. So I never knew you had an M6. Well, there you yeah. go. You've been hiding that away from me. I know. So I've been a bit rubbish, actually, at even picking it up recently. So... I actually have it with me now in Shropshire. I bought it, not because of this, but because <laughs> I decided that I needed to start using it um, mm-hmm. more because it's kind of been hiding in a cupboard. <laughs> There's probably, probably a lot of like your M6s sacrilege. hiding in cupboards. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I think that is, yeah. What lens, what lens have you got on it? A uh, 24mm lens. Mm. Um Okay. Well, that's what I oh, normally right. use, but Vitold actually had just put on his 35 mil. So I've just actually got it in front of me at the moment because I obviously I was going to be on camera. 
but I'm not. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing some of the results from that. Oh, crikey. Now the <laughs> For all our listeners, how can they uh, check out your agency? Um, so online. Um, <laughs> so, yep. I thought yeah. that might be the case. <laughs> yeah. Our so, address, in case you want to drop in, is... <laughs> yeah. Um, we're actually in the process of redesigning our website at the moment. So um, that's going to be live, hopefully, um, in, I don't know, three or four weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, through on the online or through Instagram, um, you know, anyone listening, please feel free to um, drop us a message. We've just started um, a series of um, talks much I guess like the podcast where we're interviewing well not interviewing necessarily having conversations with people across the industry not just photography but creative people where we're inviting audience participation so we're inviting people to come and ask questions of creatives that they admire so I think um, Greg you may have a a message coming to your inbox soon for when we can line you up for your (laughs) revenge where's my invite terrible Terrible. yeah we're gonna set you up too tom (laughs) don't worry i understand that's you've also got some fantastic uh interviews actually on the website don't you and um that go back a few years i mean uh yeah all sorts of people in the industry They're, they're they're more of a kind of blog form but yeah, for so people we've, like um, myself who yeah. quite enjoy sitting down and reading something a bit more long form, that yeah, is, so, can people find them on the Tea and Water website? Or? Yeah, so if they on the Tea and Water Picture site under Insights at the moment, there's a number of different interviews, including one with the lovely Greg Funnel. Um, sorry, oh, Fennell, I always oh, say, him, I I always say mis- I've made that mistake. So <laughs> um, I only do it so people remember the name. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try um, and interview photographers, um, you know, across the industry. You know, they're not necessarily photographers that we represent or, you know, work with, but, you know, people whose work we really admire. And, um, yeah, there's some interesting people on there. Tim Flax on there. There's a really, really inspiring interview with him, actually, um, and his um, project. And we recently did one with Sophie Ebrard. Um, who's a really fantastic photographer based yes. in Amsterdam. He was mentioned actually last week on the podcast. So yeah, that's that's fantastic. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and Brilliant. we'll put up information about the photo book and everything else as well. But thank you so much for coming on today and talking to oh, us. Thank um, you. Uh, it's been really informative. Um, I hope that our listeners will, I know that they'll get something out of it. And um, yeah, we will... Uh, Look forward to maybe speaking to Vitold later down the line, you know, in, in depending on how we do on this podcast. If we're still here in six months, then uh, <laughs> I'm sure you will be. I'm sure it'll be a great We can have a light, a light and nerd off with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm sorry about all my total ramblings, if anyone listening is unclear <laughs> of anything that I talked about or wants more clarity, then please feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to have conversations with people or if they have concerns or they're interested in discussing certain topics then you know i'm really happy to have further conversations brilliant excellent thank you so much much. well thanks so much for tuning in this week i hope you enjoyed the episode if you'd like to know more about today's guest and read the show notes head along to www.exposednegative.com and you can find us on instagram at ex negative see you next week